You are listening to Talking Home Renovations with a House Maven. Is it time to renovate your house, but you're worried that you don't really know what you're doing? This is an educational and entertaining podcast that will ease your fears. Or maybe you just love hearing about home renovations like I do. I am your host, Catherine McPhail. I am an architect. I practice in Eastern Massachusetts. On the show, I interview other architects, vendors, contractors, and homeowners to gather tips and stories about home renovations. You can learn about materials, systems, sustainable practices, what to expect, what to avoid, and how to make the most of the money that you'll spend on your renovation. So today's episode is a little bit different than usual. I, I happen to run across this interiors architect named Mark Ostrom, and he's doing really incredible work. I'm just going to read you about his his business that he started. So founded in 2019 on a shoestring budget and a career filled with colleagues, Mark officially launched Joy Collaborative. Joy Collaborative is a group of impassioned doers and volunteers who help create spaces for kids with life-limiting conditions. The spaces are created through partnerships with the architecture and interior design community and financial donations from the corporate community. So I'm just really impressed with what he does and inspired to think about spaces a little bit differently. And as he says, do things just a little bit better. But listen to my conversation with Mark and uh, see if you're not also inspired. Well, Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you, Catherine. I appreciate you joining me. Can't wait to hear more about what you've been doing with Joy Collaborative. I just saw it on your website and I just felt like I needed to talk to you about, you know, to me, it opens up more possibilities than maybe we think about on a day-to-day basis, either for people who have particular needs or just for the delight of all of us, possibly. So why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself and Joy Collaborative and how that all came to be? Sure. So um, happy to be here. I hope to have a fun conversation around design and helping people. I think this will be a good time. So it's kind of a long story. So it's probably taken me 20 some years to get to Joy Collaborative um, through my professional history um, and, and personal uh, desires. But, um, you know, my my background, um, I originally went to school for music education. So it was all for me, it was all about watching kids succeed through the arts and and really, really enjoy young people and watching them be creative. And and that didn't really work. There really weren't any jobs available when I was getting ready to graduate. So kind of looked at some other, you know, creative endeavors and and decided that, you know, architecture slash interiors was really where I wanted to be because I wanted to affect people. Um, I wanted to affect people more than I wanted to kind of affect kind of what a, what a building might look like on the outside. And so that intimate experience of our own space is what I was really interested in. So what, what's interesting now is, you know, when I, when I originally went to school, I was working, um, my day job um, was I worked at the University of Minnesota in the Clough Palette Clinic in the insurance office of all places. And um, my job was to process claims um, for families with kids with cleft palates. So cleft palates, when your upper lip doesn't fuse and, and our clinic was very comprehensive in our, in the services that we offered, everything from surgery to, you know, dental care to, uh, occupational behavioral therapy. And so it was very, very expensive. And I'll, I'll get to Joy Collaborative here in the end of this, but it's, 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 it's the setup for it all. But, um, you know, dental and medical were refusing the claims. And, and to this day, that is still true. And so my job was to be an advocate for these families. And I got really excited about it. And to have them come in maybe once a quarter and say, hey, we got your, you know, $10,000 claim paid. And they start crying. And I'm like, 
this is the best day ever. What just happened here? And come to find out, you know, oh, they were, you know, they just missed a mortgage payment or they've got these other stresses around finance or, or you know, you took the burden off of, you know, what is a very challenging kind of process. And so that that was that stuck with me very deeply. And and a number of years ago when, when Joy Collaborative was starting to become a thing, that was one of the legs of the stool. And and the other one was just the, you know, passion around design. I was always a really creative kid. Um, I, you know, my first true built design project was Rainforest Cafe here in, in Minnesota at the Mall of America, which hopefully most people have experienced in some form or fashion. And, you know, it became a really wildly you know, successful um, property and is now owned by Disney. So for me, it wasn't about the the financial success that they've seen. It was more about people are kind of going bananas about, you know, taking them out of their normal world and dumping them into this very surreal kind of experience. And, and, and so to me, when I got, you know, kind of tired of, I'm sure Catherine, you've, you've, you know, run the highs and lows of, you know, architecture and, and, you know, the economy. Mm. Um, I, I, you know, I just said, I, I want to have my hands on the steering wheel and, you know, what can I do? And so, and so, you know, I got to the point in my career having, I, you know, I've done retail projects like Mall of America, which is a retail restaurant. I've done tons of commercial office space um, and a lot of hospitality. And, and I just got to the point where I was like, I, you know, I'm missing the connection, this empathy that I've got. I want to bring it more into, into an everyday experience and, and, and said, okay, well, you know, I've got friends in the design community who are really, really talented and, and they're doing all this work for these public entities, but they're not necessarily doing it for individual families. And, and so, you know, having, having spent time in sales um, and lots of happy hours with, you know, contractors and designers, and, you know, I, I would talk to them afterwards about, okay, we just did this Feed My Starving Children event or whatever it was. And great experience. You know, we can't, we can't fault that organization, but, but it was so far removed from, from what I knew their skill sets to be that I would ask them like, hey, if we could do something like Joy Collaborative is now, what's your interest? And everybody's hand would go up and they'd get really excited. So, so I'm like, all right, let's, let's figure this out. So um, baby steps, I just started doing stuff nights and weekends and reached out to Make-A-Wish and did some projects for them. And that led to Shriners Hospital and that led to Ronald McDonald House. And then, you know, we just hit the pause button, Mark hit the pause button and said, wait a minute you're onto something here. Maybe this wants to be a business. And so now Joy Collaborative is a nonprofit. Um, we are going into year number two um, of doing creative spaces for kids with life limiting conditions. So um, we work with, we partner with the local creatives in our community, con contractors, interior designers, all the vendors um, to, to focus all those creative energies into um, youth um, that really need some help um, in conditions or areas or programs that that just don't have the facilities or the help to to really advance their their either personal cause or their mission. So we define life limiting as either someone with a medical condition, um, such as you know a charge syndrome, which we'll talk about Kodiak's room. Um, poverty or homelessness. So we're working on a homeless a teen center, homeless crisis emergency center here in Minneapolis. Um, and we're also working on some public facilities as well. So that's kind of a long arc to your, to your question, but, but it's the lead up to, to what we're doing now. And, and I could not be more thrilled about, about what we have done and, and what's coming ahead. So Joy Collaborative, you started about two years ago, and I've watched a few videos of uh, showing the families that you've helped 
Mm-hmm. First of all, let's just back up for a second to Rainforest Cafe. So do you, you'd worked on the design of that whole experience? Is that what I was saying? one, I mean, it was a very large team, but I was part of that team. Yes. Well, my, oh, that was, that was so much fun to go to when my kids were <laughs> young and it's now left our local mall, but yeah, I, um, I appreciated that. So uh, <laughs> it was like fun. I mean, well, well, it was, it was fun. Um, I am by no means a star. I mean, that, that, that vision was set up a long time ago, but um, we were just about executing. So it was really about exploring materials. Um, you know, we, we were doing some crazy stuff, as you can imagine, to, you know, to come up with some of the solutions there. Uh, one of, one of, one of my jobs was to research artificial um, products. So I, at the time I could have told you where the best um, fake uh, bananas came from, and I, I think they probably were from a sushi company in, in Japan. Um, but I mean, it was you know it was it was fun and it was highly creative and and you know there was a story there and there was education there and um, you know it really became a destination and still is. I mean, it's the it's the highest grossing um, restaurant property in Disney's franchise. So I mean, it's it it sticking true to kind of that vision, um, obviously, and and with Disney support, it's you know it's pretty exciting to watch. Yeah, definitely. That was a fun place. So tell me about uh, Kodiak. Kodiak is the name of the boy that um, we worked with. Um, He was 16 at the time. He's 17 now. This came in through Make-A-Wish. And he was born with a a charge syndrome. And I'm sorry, I don't recall, but every letter in charge stands for a different condition that he has. Mm. So it's a very complex condition. very complex condition. I think there's one in 700 people in the country have that um, disease um, or diagnosis, I should say. It's not a disease. And um, and so he he was, you know, cognitively delayed. He was probably maybe cognitively maybe four. Um, he was blind and he was deaf. So how do we create an experience for somebody who is so sens- sensorial different um, from you and I? Um, but, but, you know, Make-A-Wish came to me because the two previous designers had quit, which I found very offensive. Um, hmm. I don't know the reasons why, um, and I'm not out here to, to fault anybody, but it's a huge design challenge. You know, how do you create a space that's really safe and really exciting for somebody who doesn't have the same perception that we do? So um, I just said, you know, this is the reason I went to design school. I wanted the hard challenges. Every, I mean, every class I took, I just, I really liked that challenge and and thought, well, this, I can't back away from this. So um, we were super lucky and in, in um our design partners were Lifetime Fitness and Gardner Builders is one of the top contractors in the region. And they just latched onto this project. And, you know, it was, it was very challenging. Um, it was very stressful. He had, um, you know, he's got a very interesting family dynamic. Um, he's got pets. Um, he doesn't have full body bodily function and he can't communicate. So, I mean, it was, you know, talk about a, a you know, programming exercise <laughs> in trying to get to that. But that's, that was the core of, of what we needed to solve for was a, a multi-sensory room for him. So how did you even start with that? I mean, like you said, it's a big design challenge. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, he, he, he could express likes and dislikes, you know, in, in different ways. And obviously the family, you know, knows him, they live with him. Um, you know, part of what we do at Joy Collaborative is the collaborative part of it is we bring people in who are experts in fields that are outside of the design practice. So we had people from, you know, who are with the Deaf Blind Association. We had people from the cognitive side, um, 
all kind of circling him and trying to figure out what was best. So, you know, we put him in the middle of the circle. Um, out from that are his parents. And then he had siblings as well. And we could not ex ignore the siblings. We could not give Kodiak all this great attention and what we knew would be an interesting design solution without bringing them into the into the discussion and, and the Q&A of that. And there were some great things that came out of that about, you know, spaces to be together and spaces to be apart because his siblings, he, he was monitored 24-7. There was always somebody with him. Um, his house is locked from the inside, so he cannot, you know, run away, um, which has happened. And you can imagine how scary that is. Um, but, you know, to be a sibling, to be a young person and having to watch, you know, a sibling, you know, for a good chunk of your life and not being able to get a break, that was something we wanted to do. So we wanted to have a space that was safe for him, that he could be in for a certain number of, you know, minutes or hours a day. Um, uh, that he could just be on his own. So, um, you know, dad, dad just wanted a place where they could hang out together. Dad was a real outdoorsman. Um, he wanted to, you know, do some physical stuff with Kodiak, whatever that meant to be. Um, he, he asked specifically for a slide mom, <laughs> you know, with, and I, I shouldn't laugh, but I mean, you know, with, with folks and we deal with kids with autism as well. And this falls into that same bucket of, you know, people try anything to help their kid. And they will do and find any product, any material, and and just you know, hopefully that this this is something that provides some comfort. And and she was overwhelmed with the stuff that they had. I mean, it it you know the, their room, and they had a room designated for him. That's that room is only 14 feet square, mm. um, but it was it was exploding with stuff. And it, hard to hard to create any kind of interesting space when we're just you know trying to manage so much stuff. So we we worked together to take a lot of that stuff out. We worked with um, Kodiak's teachers to figure out what was meaningful for them and give them specific space that they could work at. And um, and then just you know went at you you'd go kind of any normal project. It's like hey here's some ideas about what we can do to this space, and it it had to be super durable. Um, because he wasn't always in control of his of his physical self, um, he would have accidents um, that were you know hard to clean. He would you know beat things up um, because he was frustrated, but he also could be really calm and he could be very affectionate. So we wanted to be able to address those extremes of um, activity, provide materials that were durable, and also find places that were that were comfortable for himself and his family. So. You know, we Kodiak is his is his given name. Um, Mom and Dad are big outdoors northern northern Minnesota people, so kind of that going down that northern woods um, kind of aesthetic is 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 sort of what we kind of wrapped everything in. Um, but it was about what can we do here that's a flexible space. Um, I don't want to give him something that's just fixed. Um, obviously, multisensory is going to be really important to him as he matures, and so we we took that very small footprint and carved out a space for his teachers. He's got teachers who come to his room a um, couple times a week. So they had dedicated lockable space to work with him at. We did include a slide, but we also lofted the space and created sort of a deck area. We created a, a, a xylophone of sorts out of copper tubes that is, is a vibration thing. He was very into drums, mm. so it was a vibration thing. Um, we also uh, did a number of hang points in the ceiling and have various slides, or not slides, but climbing uh, climbing pieces as well as um, swings that can be detached. So that's where he and dad can hang out and, and do things that are physical. Oh, that's amazing. And so his siblings, was it within that? I have a couple questions. Good. Was it within the 14 by 14 room or, or did you have more space to work with? Or is that No, we had, we had that room and we had a, a closet that was originally designated for some other, I think they had other things in there. I can't remember if they had 
I don't even remember what they had in there, but we ended up tricking that out to be sort of a, a sensory closet and storage because mm. they had so much stuff. So that that eliminated a lot of need for storage. Although there is storage, there's plenty of storage in the room um, to alleviate that. Um, we were able to use that space, but essentially, the, what you see in that video is that space of 14 feet square. So, how did you address the people who were watching him all the time, like the siblings? What was with obviously they could still play on the slides and the hanging bars and all that stuff. So yeah, we worked with the county and we we put Dutch doors on that room. That room originally had full full height doors, so we put Dutch doors in there that were lockable. That and we extended the height, so that way um, they started with giving him 15 minutes at a time of just being by himself in that space, and so kids could move somewhere else, they could do something else and get a little bit of a break, and then gradually extend that time. Um, so I mean, you know, outside of that, there are there are sensory walls in there that they they will play and and work with him together on um, the upper lofted area. There's bean bags and other soft seating. He'll sleep up there, but then they'll also you know cozy up with a with a sibling and and just read a book. Hmm. How long ago did you finish this project? Um, we finished the project a year and a half ago. I have to say the most the most powerful and rewarding aspect is when I talked to his dad last, he he was crying. He was very choked up and he was crying. And he said, we now are having friends over to Kodiak's room. He's never had friends over before. Oh, that's so nice. And you so, know, that's, this kind of reminds me of the, of the other one, Bennett, was it Bennett's Park? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. I don't know if you have time to talk about that a little bit too, but I love how that involved the his friends and neighbors and people coming over. And socializing yeah. is, is so important. I mean, that is like a huge part of life, right? Well, what's, you know, we go, I think we go fairly deep in the programming. This is very personal stuff. Mm -hmm. um, we're talking about daily living for, you know, experiences for people who have a lot of challenges. And what's so shocking, you'll appreciate this. So, so you know, we get done with the project and we're talking to his mom, interviewing the mom. And, and she said one of her biggest fears is Ben not having any friends. Mm. And that never came up in the initial conversations. Although we talked about social spaces, we didn't really talk about the the long lasting impressions um, of having friendships. And he lives in a block that has, I don't know, like 19 kids. Mm. And so they're all, you know, traveling in a pack. And I mean, Julia's mom will tell me, you know, there are times they have to turn kids away mm. from playing there. Bennett? At, this is Bennett's At park. Bennett's house, yes. Yeah. Yeah. At Bennett Park because it's you know it's the hottest spot on the block now, and <laughs> that's um, and that's and that's pretty great. And they have movie nights over there, and they have game nights over there, and it's it's a very very active space, and it's also helping him ac academically too. Okay, so I read about Bennett and watched the video, but why don't you yeah. tell the audience about about Bennett's situation? About Bennett, so so. Bennett is a, is a sweet, sweet kid. He, his smile will light up a room. Anybody you meet would say the same thing. So he was he was a great client to work with. I call him all, all of our youth clients because that's who, really who they are. And um, and very generous parents. Um, he he is ten years old. He has spina bifida, um, which means he's restricted sort of in how he's growing or, or abnormal growth, I should say. Um, he just came back from his 18th surgery, and he's ten years old. He's mm. got at least that many probably of, uh, ahead of him in the next 10 years. Um, so it's a very intense, constant changes in, in how they need to address him physically. And the, the real driver for Bennett Park was, um, you know, as he gets older um, and his kids become faster than him, him or more mobile than him, he's going to default to a wheelchair. And that's normal behavior for people with spina bifida um, because they can't walk real fast. But they wanted 
they wanted to encourage as best they could muscle growth and, and physical activity for him that didn't involve a chair. So everything we did in that space essentially revolved around what can we do to encourage him not to use that, you know, appliance. So, um, you know, again, worked with people at Courage Kinney, which is his uh, physical therapy, occupational therapy group. We met with his teachers and parents and grandparents who are major caregivers for him and came up with this idea of a park. And um, Bennett is a huge Twins fan. His goal in life is to be the manager of the Minnesota Twins. <laughs> and we're like, all right, so this is really exciting. But but we didn't want to theme the room. I shouldn't say theme, but we didn't want to design the room so heavily to be just sort of this baseball thing, this one-trick baseball thing. So there are elements in there certainly of baseball, and you'll see that in the video. But it was about, you know, what can what can we do? Can we do things, you know, that involve his siblings um, that are, you know, batting practice and things like that, that will, that are baseball that make you stand? Um, is there a whiteboard in there that they can do art projects together? Are there collapsible tables and chairs that can be brought in? They like to do art projects. They've, there's a huge display case in that room of all the different art projects that they've done, either as Bennett as himself or with his siblings. And all the all the backs of those cabinet or cabinet panels are magnetic and whiteboard. So I mean, they're multifunction in that way. You know, there are swings that are detachable in there, are different kinds of, of things that he can do with his legs. There's a monkey bars. We're working on getting him past the third one right now. He, he could only do the, he could only kind of hang there originally um, and moving past that. And then there's stairs. He really doesn't like to do stairs. So we put a, a mini flight of stairs in there um, to encourage him to do that. And, and, you know, I think the you know, outside of having bleachers in there that are really comfortable and, and allow people to watch, you know, movies or hang out together, um, I would say his his favorite aspect is the Nerf gun wall, and he'll he'll mm -hmm. encourage anybody in there to, you know, play with him and 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 just and that's a great way to play, you know, without realizing what you're doing. Mm. Well, that does definitely sounds like that would be a place for neighborhood kids to hang out. <laughs> I can see why. Yeah. Yeah, That's it's so it, it it can be a problem. Um, uh, Mom is very generous about. Uh, there's also a concession stand in there. The what? girls are really the, yeah. There's a concession stand oh. in there. Yeah, that's um, that's oh that's too much. That's you know, over the top. Yeah, not, well, I you would know, go hang out there. <laughs> well, it was it was his sisters. You know, they're they're younger than him, and they like to play dress up, and they like to you know do kitchen type things. But mm -hmm. but tying into the baseball thing, it just was a natural. Oh no, it's perfect. I'm just joking. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. That, what a great what a great way for kids to come together and experience. And then, then now it turns out he's too popular. He gets in trouble because too many people come over. <laughs> that would be a great problem to have. Because of his space. Yeah, that's really great. Mm -hmm. What's what's next? I mean, do you have a certain number of projects a year? Or? Um, well, you know, it, it's kind of organic. Um, you know, we, we did have a target this year of doing half a dozen, and I think we'll hit that. We'll be close to that by the end of the year. And again, with, you know, people like Bennett, you know, sometimes we have to take a pause because he's got a surgery, mm -hmm. you know, or they've had a health setback or there's something happening in the family dynamic that has to pause. But looking ahead, we are, we are splitting our projects 50% between individual families and 50% between um, nonprofit organizations that serve youth in the community. So up ahead of us, um, we are working on a homeless teen shelter called Bridge for Youth in Minneapolis that, that, really is tired and is really challenged with its space. Um, it is not an exciting space for young people to go to. And um, there are kids coming from, you know, trauma that could really, you know, get better space. Uh, mm. Our pipeline is is over capacity right now. We've got more people in line that we can service right now, which is unfortunately a good problem to have. And so we're working with, you know, building up our teams and building up our own staff at Joy Collaborative to, you know, to address that. 
So how could homeowners think about like what you've done to really enhance these spaces and make them really perfect for the people who are in there? A lesson that homeowners could learn from your work. You know, I, um, I get really frustrated when I hear people say, I'm not creative. I have no idea where to start. And yeah, me too. Me I, too. I, I, I completely disagree with that. I, creativity in some people is beaten out of them mm. um, and they don't realize it and um, they are creative and it just may not be the way that, that you and I think about, you know, maybe visual space, but they are creative in, in, in how they approach a problem. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say, uh, you know, we're living in a time right now where people are really, really stressed and at the same time, volunteerism is super high. So I would say, you know, like a, like a startup, you know, bootstrap whatever your project is and reach out to your friends and family, reach out and find a, an organization that you think might be able to help you. And again, it depends on what, what problem is you're trying to solve. I mean, you don't have to create a joint collaborative type room, but you can do something on the small. And if, and if you're a family with, you know, limited means, there are people out there who can help you. I, I, you know, I, I am not one to go out and ask for money and ask for things. Um, but I'm telling you, once you start and you get a reaction from people, it's like an avalanche and, mm. and you will see things happening. And if you just need, if you need to create a, a sensory board, maybe that slips under your couch because you don't have a lot of space, um, people will, will get you things and they will help put that together. If you need special products, put a Kickstarter together. And share it with your friends. I mean, there are easy ways to do this that don't really cost you any money. Hmm. Um, and and if it becomes more complicated and you get something that's you know headed toward a joy room, that's a little bit different. And you probably want somebody like you, Catherine, or somebody helping to lead that charge um, and kind of coordinate all that. But I, you know, there there are many ways to skin a cat. And um, and and I say, reach out to your creative friends and and you know who they are, hmm. um, and start there. Hmm. Well, that's really, it's really inspiring. I, I mean, I don't want to say I'm not a creative person, but I feel like that would be a very difficult design problem, but really exciting and actually more, possibly more exciting than the typical work that I do because it's addressing particular needs that people have in a, in a, the idea of having a safe sensory environment. It's pretty exciting. It, it, you know, and, um, I, you know, people say, oh, I don't have space. Like, well, we can, we can carve out a space in a, in a, in a living area. We can do that. You know, if you're lucky and you've got a closet in a bedroom, Hey, let's start there. Let's call that a room, empty it out, find a place for all of that stuff, because this is going to be a really important space to use. If you've got a double closet, that's a huge bonus and start thinking about that as an experience, start, start, start with the experiences and the emotions that you want to try to capture. Hmm. And start there. And, you know, if your kid's really sensitive to acoustics, you have their headphones, but, you know, there are blankets you can tack up in there. You know, if you've got storage as an issue, talk to Ikea, see what they've got in their discount space. I mean, th there are ways to be creative here. Um, and, and and if you're lucky enough to know an architect or an interior designer, um, reach out to them because they've got a lot of resources that are going to be beyond anything you've ever known about. That's a good, that's good advice. And people are wanting to help other people, I feel like, especially right now. It is a, it is a stressful time. And I think people feel better when they're helping other people. You know, it's, it, it's human nature to want to help somebody else. I mean, in general, that is the case. Um, and I just read an article the other day on, in from Forbes that anxiety is higher than it's ever been. Mm. Um, and a great way to offset anxiety is to help somebody else. That's definitely true. Um, and or reach out for help. 
So, um, you know, I would say, you know, once you kind of get some ideas going or, you know, reach out to me, we can figure stuff out, you know, journal that or put a whiteboard up or there, there's some apps, you know, there's an autism tracker where you can, you know, track moods throughout a month um, and see if there's a correlation between what intervention you've created um, and see if there's an effect. Hmm. Um, I, I'm also not a huge fan, you know, sensory, if, if we look at autism, I'm just going to talk about autism for a second because that's an area we're going to start working a little bit more in, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm just, I'm just not a big fan of kind of one trick devices um, and, and there are catalogs that are an inch thick of, you know, sensory devices for, for kids with autism or families, individuals with autism. And, and a lot of those are, you know, maybe a, a tube filled with water that has bubbles in it. And that, you know, it, it definitely, you know, can reset a mood. Um, but there are many ways to, to get after kind of that same reaction. Um, there are fantastic little, um, portable projectors. And if you can attach it to your laptop and other apps, I mean, now you have an infinite number of options. Um, I also you know, talk to folks about, you know, the ceiling in our spaces, the ceiling is our greatest element. Um, so think about, you know, if, if there's a way to use that, project, project cool things onto the ceiling. You don't have to go out and buy these super expensive, like twinkle light pads that'll cost you $2,000 for a bedroom when for 50 bucks you could get a projector. Hmm. Um, so I just, again, it's, it's this idea about creativity and, and don't just do the default solution. Um, see if you can, you know, think outside a little bit. Yeah. I love the way you think, Mark. (laughs) Thank you. I just love these projects. So, well, it's, you know, it's, it's, I, I don't know if it started at rainforest. That was a long time ago, but through my whole design career, I've always said, is that the best we can do? And, you know, that really came into play when I was doing hotel work, because I would always joke about, you know, they wanted, you know, amazing looking things, and we had to stretch a nickel, Mm. you know, they had no budget and wanted amazing. So how is it that we can do better? How is it that we can be creative? Um, You know, I, I am joy collaborative, I am not interested in, you know, a paint and sticker solution. And there are people certainly who are out there who, who will do that and they mean well to do that. But for us, I'd rather get a kind of a functional solution and we're not going to get at that using that approach. Right. Yeah. Paint and stickers, you could do better, better than that. Always. Yeah. Always. So how can people learn more about your work or get in touch with you? Our website, joycollaborative.org. It's where you'll find all the latest and greatest. You'll see a Joy Rooms tab, which will have videos in there of the projects we're doing. There are a couple coming up before the end of the year. We're doing one. Catherine, I am just super excited. We're doing one for a boy who's quadriplegic and cognitively delayed. Mm. Um, That's a very cool sensory room. Um, We're also doing a a meditation relaxation space for Ronald McDonald House here. And I'm very excited about those projects. Those should be done yet this year. So joycollaborative.org is is where you're going to want to read about our projects. Um, The other fun thing that we did, Catherine and I talked a little bit about this is, um, you know, again, kind of taking an atypical approach. We had our first ever fundraiser a week ago, and that wasn't going to be, you know, in a hotel ballroom at, you know, tables of eight or 10 eating, you know, chicken and wild rice that just was not you know, we're our, you know, the, the joy brand is really about design and fun and creativity. And that experience is not any one of those. And so we, we turned it into more of a social hour and again, reached out to the creative community that, that helps us with joy rooms or is just creative on their own 
and had an event that we called Barkitecture. Mm-hmm. And so Barkitecture was, and, and this isn't a new idea that we did not come up with this by any means, but um, marrying it to a nonprofit was a new idea. And so we had um, a number of these cat and dog houses that were all unique and custom built by interior designers and architects and, and contractors that were auction items for us. And then we kind of wrapped a whole experience around that. And um, and we did very well. We were, were we had a great uh, response and are already looking at planning architecture 2022, which I'm really, really, really excited about. Yeah, that is exciting. I was saying when we were talking about it earlier, I was saying that you could sell those. I mean, you could just produce some cat and dog furniture. People who own cats and dogs spend a ridiculous amount of money on their cats and dogs a lot of the time. So Yes, they do. And, and, and it was fun to see, you know, how people reacted to them. I do think in the world of cat and dog furniture, there is a void of creativity. Yes, there um, is definitely. You know, but it but it really it it taps on the larger um, strategy for Joy Collaborative, and that's trying to figure out. You know, I, I'm I'm new to the nonprofit world, but I, I've read enough about you know kind of the the typical path. Um, and, and again, I got a little frustrated, and I said, you know, why why is it that we, that we have to be so reliant on fundraising? Um, why can't we create our own revenue stream or streams? Mm-hmm. And so next year we'll, we'll be exploring whether it's dog and cat furniture or whether it's something else. Um, but there will be other ways for us to provide more joy rooms um, and and help more kids faster by looking at alternative ways of of financial growth. Yeah, that makes total sense because then you have a steady stream that you can rely on. And you spend less, more time doing the work you need to do, and less time on the fundraising aspect. Yeah, of it. and it's it's different exposure. It's it's you know it's different ways of getting at people. Um, you know, I I love this work, and and the, you know, the tragedy is our our funnel will never be dry. Mm. You know, it never will be dry, and and we do things in such a a. I don't want to say great. I shouldn't be patting myself on the back, but but we do great projects. We and, do great projects. And, I'll pat you on the back. <laughs> thank you. But I mean, you know, why can't this grow? I mean, this, there's no reason this can't grow. And and you know, one of the reasons that motivated me into this is is in working with Make a Wish. You know, they don't typically do projects like this. Their their model, at least in Minnesota, is you know around let's let's send people on this great vacation or a breakaway, you know, or let's introduce, you know, a celebrity type person to these kids. Well, that's great um, to create those moments, but we have kids who this isn't really relevant for, or that isn't really maybe as relevant for or as beneficial for. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think I know um, that we can help more kids. That's great. Well, thank you for the work you do, Mark. <laughs> Thanks for the chat. Yeah, it's been fun. It's great to meet you. I, I have one very you. irrelevant question, which is, did do any dogs or cats try out the furniture? Yes, actually, um, we got a, a couple photographs. One was uh, my new friend Bentley, who was a little toy poodle, who was in our wine barrel. Our uh, what was it called? Le Chardonnay Stay was made from a wine barrel. <laughs> and um, yes, they have tried it out. I've gotten I've gotten some nice. Uh, photographs from from families showing us no that's great uh, i always get distracted by pet things but you know the work that you do for the kids is like <laughs> has you can't even put a value on it so it's so it's so great that you're doing that thank you I thank you yeah it's 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 wonderful i i it um i have trouble sleeping sometimes because i do get a little bit excited about what, what we do but you know we're a growing organization so I, it's great to to hear your comments and to know there are people out there who can you know track along so 
I mean, to, to your audience, you know, if they, if they see something here, if they've, you know, been touched by disability or, or, or issues that we deal with, you know, they certainly can, um, we love our sustaining members. We'd like to do things special for them, but I mean, even just following along, um, and just in, in, you know, sharing our content, you know, as it's developed is, is super helpful for a, for a young, but growing organization. Yeah. Well, I wish you the best with that. Thank you. Well, I am really genuinely inspired by Mark and his work and how he's really helping people. He's helping the world be a better place. So thank you, Mark. And thank you for listening. All of the links to everything are in the show notes. Everything you could ever want, you know, about this podcast anyway, can be found on my website, TalkingHomeRenovations.com. Transcripts, episode enhancements, a link to my mailing list, a free download, all my social media links... I hope you love this podcast and tell your friends all about it. This podcast is now a part of Gable Media, which is the largest AEC network on the planet. So go check out the other podcasts and video. They're actually really, really great. So go check them out at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L-M-E-D-I-A. And this show is a production of my architecture firm, Demios Architects, where we believe architects are for everyone. If you're in Massachusetts, I have an Ask an Architect Design Helpline, where I can help you with whatever you're stuck on or give you advice, architectural advice, or or whatever. I love hearing from people, so get in touch. And also join my Facebook group, Talking Home Renovations Together, because we have previous guests on the show. We have architects, a lot of other homeowners, and I'm hoping that will be a, a lively community where we can all explore different topics together. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, take care. Take care.